Let us pray. I must say, eternal and everlasting Father, we are thankful this evening. Thankful for your mercy and your kindness. Thankful that you have given us this privilege to gather together to study a portion of your word that you have left for us so that by studying them we will know how to think, how to function in this world in order to honor and glorify your son Jesus Christ. So as we have gathered this evening, we request that the Holy Spirit will open our minds and cause us to hear precisely what you have for us this evening. This is a request in Christ's name. Amen. We move to Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. Uh, one thing that we will do this evening is really more informational. And the study of the Bible usually consists of information. And some information will just be for your knowledge as a believer. So you will not be ignorant about certain things. And the others will be both for knowledge and application. The one we have for this evening is barely for knowledge. Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 20, where we'll be dealing with the focus on the pillar of cloud. He reads, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud uh, brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the order all night long. Now this section of Exodus 14, 19 through 20, as a narrative is concerned, first with the movement of the angel of God and that of the pillar of cloud. Now this is followed by focus on the pillar of cloud in terms of its description and function given in the passage. Thus it is possible to study the section uh, by retelling the story or the narrative to the reader, probably using colorful language, but that will not serve to increase the knowledge of the hearer as to what the Holy Spirit wants us to learn. Therefore, we are going to study the passage by focusing on two lessons that we will state at the appropriate time in our study of the passage. But before we get to the lessons, we should state that to learn the lessons the Holy Spirit intends for us, we should be aware that it is difficult to study this passage without reference to the passage that the concept of pillar of cloud was first introduced, which is Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 through 22. Exodus 
chapter 13 verse 21 reads, By the day the Lord went ahead of them in a a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now it is, as we reference this passage in the study of our present section, that we will understand better the lesson the Holy Spirit wants us to learn in Exodus 14 verses 19 through 20. By reference in this section, we bring your attention to an important principle in interpreting the scripture. Now this principle is that we should not only interpret a given passage of scripture within its context, but that we should be mindful of the entire context of the scripture. Now some teachers of God's word have been in errors as they teach certain concepts in the scripture because they fail to pay attention to the entire context of the scripture and possible deductions that we reach from considering other passages that may have relevance to whatever concept a person teaches from a specific passage of the scripture. I mean that it is possible to teach a concept that on the surface may appear true based on a specific passage of the scripture. But the concept, whenever that concept is then compared to another passage of the scripture, there may seem to be a conflict in what is taught. When this happens, it is not that the scripture conflicts itself, but that the teacher has not taken time to explore the scripture before setting out the doctrine that is uh, purported. So the point being that we have made is really evident in the teaching of the courts. That's why you see that. Take for example, the Jehovah's Witnesses deny the deity of Christ because they pick one or two passages that they think support their position without exploring all the scriptures that either would lead one to deduce the deity of Christ or to direct or one that do a direct assertion concerning his deity. Now deduction is an important tool in interpreting the scripture as Jesus Christ demonstrated to the Sadducees who deny the resurrection of the dead. The Lord cited a passage that on a surface reading does not appear to have anything to do with resurrection. I'm referring to what is recorded in Matthew chapter 22 verses 31 and 32. Matthew chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. It is, 
But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now see, the Sadducees have read this passage that the Lord quoted in the third chapter of Exodus, but they never deduce from it that it means that somehow the patriarchs were still living. Now if they did, they would not have denied the doctrine of resurrection. So my point is that it is necessary to look at the context of the entire scripture before teaching a given doctrine from a specific passage. Now with this comment, we begin then to consider the lesson or the lessons of the Holy Spirit that he wants us to gather or to learn from the section of Exodus chapter 14 verses 19 through 20 that we are considering. A first lesson of this section is simply this, that the Lord God, the Lord God of Israel, is the same person as angel of God. The Lord God of Israel is the same person as the angel of the Lord. Now, that's what we're going to drive home this evening. Now, this lesson is derived from the movement of the angel of God and the pillar of cloud as we demonstrate by considering the details of these two movements given in Exodus chapter 14 verse 19. Now see verse 19 begins with the phrase then the angel of God. Look at that. Then the angel of God. Now the question is to understand to whom the phrase refers. Now this is necessary because the word angel is translated from a Hebrew word that may mean messenger, messenger, in the sense of someone dispatched to inform or announce something to someone else. Thus, it's, it is with this meaning that the word is used when Moses sent some Israelites to the king of Edom to plead for him to grant Israel passage through his territory as they traveled to Canaan as we read in Numbers chapter 20 verse 14. Numbers chapter 20 verse 14. Numbers chapter 20 verse 14. It is Moses sent messengers. That's a Hebrew word. Malak. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom saying, This is what your brother Israel says. You know about all the hardships that have come upon us. So here the word is translated messengers. Now the word may mean angel really. That is a supernatural being in the class of creation by God to serve him, including the functions of informing or 
proclaiming. In other words, if you recall our study about the gods, you recognize that angels were among the gods. But the gods, once they are on a mission, then they become angels. Now, so they are sent to go somewhere and do something, then they become angels. Nonetheless, they are a class of creation by God to serve Him, including, as I said, in a function of forming or proclaiming His message to a select uh, few or selected human beings, as the word is used, of the two messengers that were sent to destroy Sodom, in, as we read in Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. Genesis chapter 19 verse 1 and hold on to Genesis it reads the two angels that's a uh, Hebrew word the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city when he saw them he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground now in our passage of Exodus 14 verse 19 the meaning of messenger does not fit the context. Though some take the meaning here uh, of the Hebrew word as angel, that's what that is really they say it's a supernatural being. However, we reject this interpretation since we believe that the phrase is a reference to God, not an ordinary angel. Therefore, the meaning of the word in our verse is simply a divine messenger that represents God himself, as we will seek to demonstrate. A divine messenger that represents God himself. So the phrase, angel of God, is first used in the narrative concerning Hagar, Sarah's maid, that with her son Ishmael was sent away from Abraham at the request of Sarah. Now the one who spoke to Sarah, I mean to uh, Hagar, in her desperation is described with our phrase in Genesis chapter 21 verses 17 and 18. Genesis chapter 21 verses 17 and 18. It is God heard the boy crying and the look at that angel of God same phrase that we're studying. The angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her What's the matter Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies here. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. So the angel of God is said to have to call out to Hagar from heaven. The angel of God. Now the one calling from heaven 
to Hagar could not possibly be an angel of God that is created by, by him. It couldn't be an irregular angel. One that's created by God. So we are sad this because we do not have any record elsewhere in our scripture of an angel speaking to a human being from heaven. Now when God sends an angel or angels to inform or accomplish his purpose, such angel or angels appear to the individuals who are God's target either for revelation or for judgment or for deliverance. Now we have noted the two angels that destroyed Sodom. They appeared in person to that city. Now in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar an angel described as a holy one came down from heaven to deliver God's message to him. As recorded in Daniel chapter 4 verse 23. Daniel Daniel chapter 4 verse 23 Daniel chapter 4 verse 23 reads You O king saw a messenger a holy one coming down from heaven and saying cut down the tree and destroy it but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like wild animals until seven times pass by for him. So we see an angel sent from heaven to give him a dream. He came to him. He wasn't, he wasn't speaking from heaven. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we note several times when angels were sent by God to deliver messages to humans, they appeared in person. The angel Gabriel spoke to Zechariah in a vision about the birth of John the Baptist, and he appeared in person in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 15. Luke 1 verses uh, verse 11 through 15. Hold on to uh, pick up the next passage in that too. It reads, Luke chapter 1 verse 11 reads, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy 
and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Now the same angel identified himself as uh, Gabriel. uh, Actually came and also spoke with Mary about the virgin birth as recorded still in that look one look at verse 26 through 33 look chapter 1 look at verses 26 through 33 it is in the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greetings this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with a child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So here you see the angel appears in person. Now when God rescued uh, the jailed apostles in Jerusalem, the angels sent appeared in person. As we may learn from Acts chapter 5 verses 19 and 20. Acts 5, verses 19 and 20. And hold on to Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse 19 reads, But during the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, I mean, opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. Here, angel was sent into the jail. An angel was dispatched by God to Colonus to get him the message, uh, the message to invite Peter to his house who gave him the gospel message by which uh, he will be saved according to Acts chapter 10 verses 3 through 4. Acts chapter 10 verses 3 through 4. It reads, 
One day, at about three in the afternoon, he, that's Colinus, had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Colinus. Colinus stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So an angel appeared to him directly. Now Apostle Paul himself reported of an angel sent by God speaking to him to encourage him during the voyage to Rome when things were getting very rough and uh, was certain that they were going to have a shipwreck. God sent an angel. And this is what the angel said to him in Acts chapter 27 verses 23 and 24. Acts 27 verses 23 through 24. It is last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So the point is that angels do not Speak to people from heaven. That's what we're arguing. They they don't do that. But they always speak in person or in a vision. Now doesn't, when we read uh, the sentence in Genesis 21-17, when it says, An angel of God called to Hagar from heaven, we should understand that the one speaking to Hagar must be God. Now we're arguing that only God speaks to a human being from heaven and not an angel. That is, of course, a created supernatural being. Now, Nehemiah acknowledges truth in his confession that God spoke to Israel from heaven as we read in Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 13. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 13 He reads, speaking this, uh, his direction to God You came down on Mount Sinai You spoke to them from heaven You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right, and decrees and commands that are good. Now, in God's judgment, though, of Nebuchadnezzar, he spoke from heaven, according to Daniel chapter 4, verses 31 and 32.
Daniel Here is uh, Nebuchadnezzar patting himself at the back and seeing how great he is because of what he has accomplished. And no sooner did he finish describing how great he is, here comes God speaking from heaven. So we hear verse 31 reads, The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals and you eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of, the, of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. So, that really then, that when there is a voice that speaks directly to anyone on this planet from heaven, that it must be God is born out then, even in the New Testament. See, during the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ, a voice spoke from heaven as recorded in Luke chapter 9 verse 35. Luke Luke chapter 9 verse 35. It is a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. That's after Peter actually said, Well, let's stay here, build three shelters. You know, the voice that came from heaven, though, here, must refer to God the Father. Addressing God the Son. So the Lord, uh, with, in this case, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course. So we see, speaking from heaven, God Himself. Now, in Peter's vision that enabled him to go to preach to Colonius and his household, a voice spoke to him from heaven as well. As we read in Acts chapter 11. Verse 7. Acts chapter 11 and hold on to Acts. It reads, Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. So the voice Peter heard was probably that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Since it is to him that Peter tabled his reluctance of eating unclean meat as 
recorded in Acts chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. Acts chapter 10, verses 13 and 14. It reads, Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. So anyway, the fact that only God speaks directly to anyone on earth from heaven supports the fact then that the one who spoke to Hagar described as the angel of God must be God himself. Now we have we are convinced that the angel of God is God himself because of his Interaction with Jacob. Now the one that spoke to Jacob in a dream while he was in Padan Aram is described as angel of God in Genesis chapter 31 verses 11 through 13. Genesis chapter 31 Verses 11 through 13. Hold on to Genesis though. Genesis 31. Verses 11 through 13. It reads. The angel of God said to me in the dream. Check up. I answered. Here I am. And he said, Look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are sicked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once. And go back to your native land. Now the angel of God himself. Or at least uh, the angel of God identified himself. To Jacob. In, the, in verse 13 when he says. I am the God of Bethel. Where you anointed a pillar. And where you made a vow. So the one who communicated to Jacob. At Bethel. When he was fleeing from the wrath of Esau, is the Lord God, as stated in Genesis 28, verse 13. Genesis chapter 28, verse 13. Genesis 28 verse 13. He reads, They above it to the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you 
and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Thus, there is really no denying that the angel of God is God himself, because it is the Lord God of Abraham and Isaac that appeared to Jacob in his dream at Bethel. Now, it is important we recognize that the angel of God is the same person as the angel of the Lord. Now, many scholars have problem dealing with that. Now, two passages beside our passage of Exodus 14, though, support this truth. When the Lord commissioned Gideon to carry out his assignment of delivering the Israelites from the oppression of the Midianites, we read of the angel of God that spoke to him, as recorded in Georges chapter 6, verses 22-22. Georges, I hold on to Georges because I'm going to spend some time in uh, that in that section. Judges chapter 6 verse 20 reads The angel of God said to him Take the meat and the unleavened bread place them on this rock pour out the broth and Gideon did so with the tip of the staff that was in his hand the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread fire fled from the rock consuming the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord he exclaimed ah sovereign Lord I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face it's not an ordinary angel Now the one who spoke to Gideon about what he should do is described as the angel of the Lord in verse 20. Verse 20 is described as the angel of the Lord. But the one who ignited the sacrifice is described as the angel of the Lord in verse 21. So in verse 20 we have angel of God. In verse 21 we have angel of the Lord. So it is the same angel of the Lord that disappeared. So we must conclude then that the angel of God and the angel of the Lord is one and the same person. Otherwise, we have a confusion in the narrative given here in Genesis in Judges chapter 6. And again, this, as we keep looking at the angel of the Lord, refers eventually to the Lord Jesus Christ before his incarnation. Now the birth of Samson began with the angel of God appearing to Manuel's wife who described him, the angel of uh, God described to the husband about who appeared to to her as we read in Judges chapter 13 verse 6.
Judges chapter 13 verse 6 It is Then the woman went to her husband and told, her, and told him A man of God came to me Now uh, we've studied in the past that when an angel appears he will normally take the form of the people where the person is where the angel is appearing so that you will recognize that this is an angel easily so wherever uh, what, whatever the people look like that's what the angel will look like now so here it says uh, a man of God came to me he looked like an angel of God very awesome I didn't ask him where he came from and he didn't tell me his name. Now Manuel prayed for the return of the one that looked like the angel of God and his prayer was granted. As we read still in that Judges chapter 13, look at verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, Then Manuel prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manuel, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field where her husband Manuel was not with her. Now the one though that came back is described as the angel of God by the one that had interacted with Manuel is then described as the angel of the Lord. Look at verses 11 through 14 of the same uh, chapter 13. He reads, Manuel got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he asked, Are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manuel asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy's life and walk? The angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. So again, if the angel of God is not the same as the angel of the Lord, we have a confusion in this narrative as well. So to avoid any confusion, we should conclude that the angel of God and the angel of the Lord is one and the same person. Hence, from the passages that we have cited, you should be convinced that the angel of God is the same as the angel of the Lord. So in any event, the first lesson then that we have stated based on our passage of Exodus 14 verses 19 through 20 
is that the Lord God of Israel is the same person as the angel of God. Now our lesson makes clearer that the angel of God is God himself. Now we prove this point by considering the movement of the angel of God as described in the passage we are studying in Exodus 14 verse 19. Go back there. He says, then the angel of God, I mean, then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. Now what we are trying to prove here is that this angel of God, or the angel of the Lord, is God himself. Not an ordinary angel, per se. Now this description in verse 19 of the angel of God and the verbal phrase who had been traveling in front of Israel's army helps us then to identify this angel of God as the Lord God of Israel. Now the angel of God is said to be traveling in front of Israel's army and this may lead a person then to think that the angel of God here is only in front of the Israelite soldiers and not the entire people of Israel. However, it is in front of the entire people of Israel that the angel of God was traveling. Now you see the word army, when you say Israel's army, that word army is translated from a Hebrew word that is derived from a Hebrew verb that means to set up a camp or to encamp. Hence means, the word then means camp. As in the description of where Jacob met angels while he was returning to Canaan from Padan Aram as we read in Genesis chapter 32 verse 2. Genesis chapter 32 verse 2 It is when Jacob saw them as angels he said this is the camp of God so he named the place Mehenaim Mehenaim so here the word is translated the same Hebrew word translated that means translated camp here now the word also may mean group of people and animals as it is used to describe the dividing by Jacob of people and animals with him in his return to Canaan as we read still in Genesis chapter two, uh, chapter 32, look at verse 7. Verse 7 reads, In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups and the flocks and the herds and camels as well. Now the word may mean army as it is used to describe or in the description of the Philistine soldiers that David said the Lord would hand over to him for destruction in his address to Goliath 
as recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 46. 1 Samuel Yes. David uh, expressing his faith and confidence in the Lord as what is going to take place. He had so much confidence that the Lord was going to fight for Israel and so that's why he could make what we're about to read. Say, this day the Lord will hand you over to me. And that's a confidence. A great one because he had faith that he is the one worshipping the true God while the others were involved in idolatry. So that's a great faith. He said, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Now knowing that he's, he's such a small key, uh, man compared to Goliath, uh, for him to be speaking this way, you know it was his out of faith that he believed in. The Lord will do something for him. So he said to them, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Now that word army is the same Hebrew word we are dealing with. Now because the word may mean army, the translators of the analogy of Exodus 14 verse 19 are not wrong though, since there is a sense that Israel's camp during their travels in the wilderness could be viewed as a military camp as they were on the move from, for uh, battle as they marched from one place to another. So this notwithstanding, since at this point in Israel's travel from Egypt, there is no evidence they have been equipped as soldiers. So the Hebrew word is used in our passage of Exodus 14 verse 19 in the sense of a civilian camp. A civilian camp. That is a temporary living quarters where a group of people live together although they were on a march that frequently later on involved military conflict. Now be that as it may, the verbal phrasing that we are studying of Exodus 14 verse 19 we say, who have been traveling in front of Israel's army. Now that verbal phrase, I mean that clause really, who have been traveling in front of Israel's army enables us then to identify the angel of God as the Lord God of Israel. Now this is because of a previous description of the one traveling in front of the Israelites given in the passage we started, that we started with. In Exodus chapter 13 verses 21 through 22. This is where what helps us because verse 19 that we are starting says, who have been traveling in front of Israel's army. Now who has been traveling in front of Israel's army? So we go back to Exodus chapter 13 to get the answer. Which again reads, By day, the Lord 
went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Again, notice it is the Lord, the God of Israel, that is said to move ahead of them in a pillar of cloud. Because he said, the Lord went ahead of them. The Lord. Now, that's in verse 21. But when we come back to where we're starting in Exodus uh, chapter 14, verse 19. It is the angel of God that is said to have been traveling in front of Israel's camp. So, there's no other conclusion to reach than that the Lord who went ahead of Israel in Exodus chapter 13 verse 21 is the same person as the angel of God that was traveling ahead of Israel in Exodus 14 verse 19. Now one of the things that we are doing is uh, by looking at these things you begin to train your mind to be a person who can reason and hold up a long thought and maintain whatever you are trying to develop. Now one of the reasons, uh, you know, people in this country <coughs> at, at each other's throat is this, this thing is lacking. The idea of being able to marshal out your view quietly without fighting, trying to convince somebody that your view is correct without fighting. But the problem though is that truly speaking, people don't have the ability today to actually listen to a reasoned argument of, of any kind. People are so shallow. And that is why even if truth is there on the people's face, they won't accept it. Because their mind has been locked and be deprived of the ability to reason. And part of it is we have, we today have fallen be below some of the things that happened in this country around the 1800s where members of local churches were taught by people who teach just about like I'm teaching you. So that they had a disability to take through. Read some of the things that they wrote at that time. If you gave it to some people today, I mean, they will be lost. They don't even know what they're talking about. It is an ability that's important. And that's what we've just gone through here. Is see how I've drawn you from here to there. Just to develop this one point. That yes, the, God, the angel of God is God himself. is the angel of the Lord. So, anyway... In Exodus 14 verse 19 though, it is the angel of God that is said to move uh, to the back of Israel's camp. In the verbal phrase again of Exodus uh, 14 verse 19 where it says, withdrew and went behind them. Now the same movement was true of the pillar of cloud as we read in Exodus 14 verse 19 when it says, the pillar of cloud also moved 
from in front and stood behind them. Now, by the way, we had indicated that a pillar of cloud is a physical cloud that speaks to a special presence or manifestation of God's presence to enable Israel to know which way to travel. It is this pillar of uh, cloud that is said to have moved to the back of Israel's camp as we read in Exodus 14 verse 19 when it says, The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. So the presence of the Lord among Israel is portrayed by a pillar of cloud. Consequently, we are also informed that the pillar of cloud moved to the back of Israel's camp as we read in Exodus 14 verse 19 when it says, The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. So this sentence then helps us to recognize that the pillar of cloud represented the presence of the angel of God or the Lord God of Israel since it moved to the same position that the angel of God is said to have moved. Now it is true that in Exodus chapter 13, the Lord, as represented by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, never left his position in front of the people or their camp. But this time, the angel of God and the pillar of cloud moved to the back of Israel due to a different function that is described in our passage. Now we'll consider this our function in the next study. Meanwhile, we have vindicated through a lengthy way the first lesson we stated from the passage of Exodus chapter 14 verses 19 through 20. That, what we have demonstrated this evening, is clearly that the God of Israel is the same person as the angel of God. The same person as the angel of God. So you, uh, whenever now you read and you see the angel of God, the angel of the Lord, you should immediately put in your mind that is Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the study of your word. We pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will continue to enable us to understand your person, to understand how you've appeared in history, manifested yourself in a different way, until eventually your son came to this planet through incarnation. Cause us to know and understand these things. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen.